Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I'm Pastor Rocky Fritz coming to you from the First Baptist Church in Amboy, Illinois. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible with pen and notebook in hand as we study the scripture verse by verse and word by word. We are currently traveling the Romans road. Gather your things together and turn in your New Testament to Paul's epistle to the Romans. Traveling through Romans chapter number 8, we've been observing what it is to walk in the newness of spirit. There is great enjoyment in life when we walk with a new spirit, a new attitude. This spirit is, in reality, the person of the Holy Spirit of God who now lives inside of us and transforms our life. Notice in verse number 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit helps our infirmities. If you remember when Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit to his disciples back in the Gospel of John, he first referred to him as the Comforter, the one who picks us up, who bears us along. He says here that he is our prayer partner. Oftentimes when we go to prayer, we can find no words to say the prayers and what we are really feeling. Maybe the hurts, the burdens, the, the heartache, or the pains are too deep. All we can do is groan. Now some people have said that this is a special language we have in prayer, that we speak to God and we don't know what we're saying, but we say these words in some special prayer language and only God understands these words. I've had folks that have explained that to me in this verse, and I simply look at the verse again and say, well, if God says we cannot utter those words, why are we trying to utter them? In verse number 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. God is the one who knows our heart. God is the one who searches our heart as defined for us back in Psalm 139. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf as we come to the throne of God in prayer. If we could picture the Father sitting on his throne, the, the Son of God, Jesus, standing between us and the Father, and then the Holy Spirit is with us or in us as we approach the throne of God in prayer. And notice we're to pray according to the will of God. We often say in our prayers as Jesus instructed us, in Jesus' name, with the authority or according to the will of God. His will is often opposite of our will. If you remember Jesus praying even in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, Father, not my will, but thine be done. When we are truly praying in the will of God, oftentimes we're praying thing, for things that are not necessarily our will, but we understand them to be his will. Notice in verse number 28, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. 
we know, we have confident assurance in this fact that His eternal good and pleasure is in our best interests. Now, when we seek to do God's will, we may not be so concerned about our temporal desires, what we desire, what we want. Oftentimes we misquote this verse and think, well, everything's going to be okay today. Well, things may not be okay today. No one desires the pain, the suffering, the sickness, and even the persecution that Christians often go through in this lifetime. But we know that at the end, and that's not speaking of tomorrow, that's speaking of eternity, uh, God's grace will get us through what we need to go through today. Uh, and that is the joy of walking with Him. Our burdens may be heavy. The cross we are called to bear may be more than we can bear, but God's grace is always sufficient when we are walking with Him. Now we come to verse number 29 and 30, where we are focusing on God's eternal vision. Uh, with God, we need to understand there is no time element. If we look at these verses, we're going to notice that everything is spoken of in past tense. Now, we are creatures of time. Everything we think of today is in relationship to time. But with God, there is no such thing as time. He sees everything tomorrow and yesterday and today all the same in His eternal vision. Now, notice verse number 29 and 30. For whom He did foreknow... He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, there's a lot of big words in here that seem a little bit scary uh, to the average Christian. There's much debate amongst theologians today about God's predestination. Sometimes we refer to the doctrine of Calvin, John Calvin, or Calvinism. Uh, in reality, uh, many folks try to figure out God. I learned a long time ago, I'm not smart enough to figure out God. And I do know this from Scripture. God always gives man a choice. God knows what that choice is going to be before we make that choice. Again, because there is no time with God. And I also know that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, as 2 Peter 3 tells us. And we know that in many places in the Bible we see words such as in Romans chapter number 10, that God says, "...whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord." I'm so glad to be one of the whosoever. And you also are the whosoever. Uh, salvation is offered to whosoever. We'll give a brief definition of these words in verse number 29. First of all, the word foreknow. God knows ahead of time. That's the foreknowledge of God. And then the word predestinate. Uh, that is speaking of the determined purpose or the final destination. Uh, God's determined purpose or God's final destination for His children is to be conformed to the image of His Son. 
to be restored to our sinless condition that Adam once enjoyed in the Garden of Eden, that he is the firstborn among many brethren. That speaks of the restored fellowship that God desires to have with his people. And uh, notice it says that he called. He calls us. Uh, Not all of us will respond to his call, not only for salvation, but even to do his will in our life. It's best if we hear his call and respond to his call. And notice it says that he's justified. That means just as if I'd never sinned. And again, notice all these words are used in the past tense. Uh, We still presently struggle with our sin nature. But in God's eternal view, this struggle is over with. When God sees us, he sees us sitting with his dear son around the table in heaven, enjoying his holy presence. And he has glorified us. We share in his glorification and his holiness. We are going to see five questions Uh, that will bring us to the end of Romans chapter number 8. The first two are in verse number 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? The first question, maybe we could reword it, what can we deduct or conclude from this reality that God has chosen and glorified and already considers us in his presence around his throne. The second question, who is big enough to stop God's plan? Uh, Through faith in Christ, we are not only conquerors, but verse number 37 we will get to next time says that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And notice the next question in verse number 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The third question, how could God not follow through with his plan of redemption? God's redemption is his plan or scheme to justify us as sinners, to bring us into his presence. He's brought us this far. How could he not finish the course that he set? The Father sent his Son to be our Savior. Jesus died and rose to redeem us. The Holy Spirit now indwells us and lives inside of us. Why would God stop now when he's brought us this close to the finish line? Now the fourth and fifth question that conclude this chapter we will consider next time. I close today by asking you life's most important question. Have you personally received the gospel, the good news as presented to us in the book of Romans? This book describes in detail God's one and only way of salvation and sanctification. When God works in our lives, he begins a work of transformation. This transformation begins at the moment of salvation and will not be complete until we are living forever in his presence. There's no hope of eternal life in heaven without knowing Jesus Christ. So likewise, there's no life that compares to living daily in the presence of Jesus today. 
If you have any questions, concerns, or needs, please contact us at fbcamboy.org. I look forward to the next leg of our journey as we travel the Romans Road.